Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. This sermon is from the life of the church. For more messages like this, please see our website www.venturechurch.co.za. We hope you enjoy this message. So this morning we are looking at the journey to Jesus, Jesus and Moses, a plan and a promise. I've loved this series, but let's get on. So my family knows that I'm a great planner. I can plan that you would be scared of the plans. I used to travel a lot um, at one stage when my children were smaller, and I would sit down and I would plan a five-day menu for my family. And I would have it written out in Excel. I would have what the meal was, where he could buy the fresh vegetables, what fresh vegetables he needed, what was in the freezer. I even put down what he needed to pack for the children for their lunches and which lunch box belonged to which child. So, you know, because each child wanted something different. I mean, I planned. It used to take me like an hour and a half to put this five-week plan together because I didn't want him to stress and I didn't want my children to go hungry. So there you have it. Well, about a year later, I don't know what happened, we were just chatting around the table and I suddenly realized my husband had not stuck to that plan. He had gone all creative on my kids and uh, for most of the part, they loved it. For the other part, they said, Mom, he did some never-do-again meals, but he didn't stick to my plan. We fortunately have a God who sticks to his plan, and all we have to do is slot into that. Now, if he'd slotted into my plan, I'm sure the meals would have been far more boring, but at least the kids would have eaten every night and not gone, what have you just dished up, Dad? And so I just loved, I've loved looking through this path that we have taken in terms of the journey to Jesus. It's amazing when you realize that right from the start, there was a plan and a promise. Our journey started with Francis speaking from Genesis 3 verse 15. It says, I will put enmity a hard word, Mensa, between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This passage, amongst many other things, is the promise of Jesus' birth, his redemption, and his victory over Satan. There it is, right at the start, the plan. Jared shared about Jesus being the suffering servant from Isaiah 53, which predicted Jesus' birth and his crucifixion. Can you see there was a plan right from the start? Jesus, like Moses, a plan and a promise. We're looking at Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, which says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. This was Moses speaking. But what God said to Moses was, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. A plan 
and a promise. I will do this. I have a plan. Things are going to be good. There's no need to panic, no need to fear. Folks, can you see the thread that is coming through? That right from Genesis, right all the way through, there was a plan and a promise, and Jesus fulfilled it. Step one, Moses was different to other prophets. So when we hear the word prophets, we kind of lump them all together. But the fact of the matter was that Moses was different to the other prophets. And I'm not going to go into whole big details about what prophets are and why he was different. I'm just going to raise a couple of points. God spoke to Moses face to face. And you can find that in Numbers 12, verse 6 to 8, and Exodus 33, verse 11. And just so you know, I I quote from the NIV. That's my go-to Bible. That's my love this Bible. (laughs) This is my, hey, this verse sounds really good in this Bible. And so all these verses are from the NIV. God spoke to Moses face to face. The Jewish people, even now in this day and age, regard Moses as the prophet amongst prophet. He is greatly esteemed even to this day amongst the Jewish people. Because he was the only prophet who spoke to God face to face. God said in Numbers 12, verse 6 to 8, Listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He's faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face. Clearly and not in riddles. I love some of the riddles that you find in the word. But here, I speak clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. When, why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Because Moses saw God face to face. Exodus 33 verse 11 says, he says, face to face as one speaks to a friend. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Man, I long for that. Deuteronomy verse 34, verse 10 to 12 says, Since then no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the, new, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. So Moses was a prophet above the other prophets and highly, highly esteemed. Even your good old little Jewish boys in the New Testament knew all about Moses and they could quote all the passages referring to Moses. Number two, Jesus different to other prophets. He was the son of God, as it was said by God himself, Jesus knew God face to face. In John 5 verse 19, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus knew God face to face. He knew him intimately. 
John chapter 1, verse 43 to 46 says, The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. The people recognized Jesus as similar to Moses. They could see that this was the guy that Moses spoke about all those years ago that was now come to fulfill the plan and the promise of God. In Matthew 3 verse 17 says, A voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. Again, a picture that, that Jesus was completely different to the other prophets because God announced, This is my son. This is the one that I have been promising all along. We have to understand that, ah man, there are just so many, so many different ways in which Jesus was different to the other prophets. He, he did things that the other prophets didn't do. He heard from God in ways that other prophets didn't hear from God. He said, I do what the Father tells me to do. I only do these things. And what I do, I see the Father doing. None of the other prophets could call God their Father in the way that Jesus did. Point three, Jesus like Moses. Oh, my word. They were probably about... I don't want to exaggerate, about 24 similarities between Moses and Jesus. But I've chosen just four. Moses and Jesus were both fellow Israelites. Exodus 2 verse 1 says, Moses was the son of Levite. And Jesus, Matthew 1 verse 1 to 16 and Luke 3, was the son of Judah in terms of the tribes, but they were both recognized as Israelites. Moses and Jesus were both shepherds. Exodus 3 verse 1, now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And John 10 verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. There are many other verses, folks. I could have inundated you. You would have felt like we were just ticking boxes had I given you all the verses that I couldn't give you, that I could have given you. Because I understand that God doesn't mention these things one time in the Bible. He mentions them often because he had a plan and he had a purpose. Moses and Jesus were saviors of their people. And no, I'm not trying to tell you anything wrong. Moses saved the Israelites from Pharaoh, Exodus 3, verse 7 to 10. And Jesus saves us from our sins, Matthew 1, verse 21. Moses and Jesus both performed miracles. This was fun. Moses is recorded as doing about 42 miracles. Do we think of the things that Moses did as miracles? You know what I found so interesting was that Moses simply obeyed God when God said to him, do something. And so we're slow to attribute those things to Moses actually, but it was Moses acting in obedience that created the miracles. If you see how obedience brings the miracles 
And if you want notes on a preach that I did on that, ask me. But obedience from Moses brought the miracles. And you can find all those miracles in Exodus 4, verse 1, all the way through to Numbers 20. It is said that Jesus performed about 37 miracles that are recorded. But note, in John 21, verse 25, it says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would have been written. Isn't that exciting? You know, we have such a limited picture of Jesus, actually. We really do. When we realize that he did more than what was written down, it's almost inconceivable to us. But Jesus is amazing and wonderful and great and awesome, and we need to stop limiting him to numbers. Jesus didn't just do 37 miracles. He did so many that the world could not contain the amount of books that it would have to be written down in. Go chew on that, not the Christmas turkey. So there's lots of similarities where Jesus was like Moses, but I really want to look at the one that says, Jesus brought a new covenant, and Moses brought the old covenant. Our fourth point, the plan and the promise. Moses gave the Mosaic covenant. If you don't know what that is, that was where um, it was all about about um, the sacrifices and the special ceremonies and the special praising days and the bring me a lamb and if you can't, don't have a lamb, then bring me a dove and if you don't have a dove, bring me a goat. I'm mixing it all up, but you get the idea. People had to bring something to be sacrificed for them to find the forgiveness of their sins. Jesus came to give the new covenant John 1 verse 17 says, For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth came through Jesus. Isn't that just amazing? Just like it was prophesied that there would be a prophet like Moses, Jesus came. There was a promise. There was a plan. Folks, you are part of that plan. This was not something outside of this. This is what God gave us when he looked and he said, Adam and Eve, he said, but I have a plan. You know, my, um, my paternal grandmother had a favorite hymn. And uh, I actually looked up who wrote this jolly hymn because I never knew who wrote it. And see Austin Miles you're familiar with the chap, I'm really glad, wrote this hymn, I go to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God comes near. I've misquoted there, but, but for me, the, the beautiful bit is he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. That was Jesus' plan 
right from the beginning that we would be able to walk with him and be able to talk with him and be able to see him face to face, essentially. And you know what? In Jesus, that plan came to fruition. You can now go and sit down and say, I'm walking with him, sit down and walk. But hey, we can go and be with Jesus and hear him speaking to us because that's what he brought. He brought us that ability to approach him directly. The plan that Jesus had, that God had right from the start, was not sacrificing lambs and bulls and goats and doves and pigeons and I don't know what else. It was always that we would be able to approach him and to be with him. The old covenant was established as an outward sign of repentance. With blood from animals, the requirement for forgiveness. The new covenant was bought by Jesus' blood and now has an inward repentance required. We must marvel at God's provision of our forgiveness foretold so many years before. I'm constantly amazed when I see how people don't pray first. How people first panic and then pray. Because if we pray first, we don't panic. Because that's how God has ordained it. That's the change that Jesus brought in. And, and I, you know, I said to Francis, it's horrible that at his birth we're looking at his death. But when we understand that his birth was for him to die, what an amazing privilege we live in that Jesus was the fulfillment of that plan. That if Jesus had not been born, that plan would still not be fulfilled. We would still have to be doing the sacrifices. But because he was born, we now have that ability to walk with him and to talk with him and hear us telling him, telling us that we belong to him. Folks, this is exciting. This is exciting news. That the new covenant ushered in our full relationship with God. And yet we try and put all sorts of barriers in that place of not walking fully with him and not being settled that he's fully with us. We put our circumstances in that place. We put our family in that place. We put our lack of finances in that place when we should be saying, Jesus came to give me complete access to the Trinity. And yet I walk with a limp. In sickness and in health, I have promised to stay married to that man. We don't have to live in sickness with Jesus, even if our bodies are sick. Because we live in wholeness in our spirits when we walk with him. We are so quick to look at the limp and not to see Jesus. This is what his birth gave us. His birth gave us his death to give us complete access to Jesus. A plan and a promise. 
a plan and a promise. God is so committed to us having direct access to him in a way that we did in the garden that since the fall of Adam and Eve, God had a plan and a promise for us. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 10 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Jesus' birth was for his death. Sounds terrible. Just sounds so awful. He was born to die. Well, we're all born to die. (laughs) But he was born to to die because there was a plan and a promise that needed to be fulfilled for us. How do we then live? How do we then live? Folks, we have to live differently. We have to live differently. You know, I always chuckle. I wait for Dave to say, my, my, oh, what's your wording, Dave? My all for him because he gave his... There, all of me responding to all of him. I wait for Dave to say it because it's just such a true saying. All of me responding to all of him means that I walk around with a smile on my face, with a twinkle in my eye. I walk with my head up high. I don't have to apologize for who I believe in. I don't have to be apologetic that I stand up for what I believe in. I don't have to worry about what tomorrow is going to bring because tomorrow has enough worries of its own. I need to focus on today and say, today you gave me life, Jesus, and therefore I will walk fully in that life. We are not Sunday-only Christians. Ish, I get so mad. That smile that you have on your face under that mask, Charlene, I know you carry it through the week. Because that's what God has called us to do. If we truly understand the plan that he had, the promise that he had, it means that we look at things differently. And if we don't change the pattern of how we think of things, nothing will change. You've heard the saying, if you keep on doing the same thing the same way, you'll never do, you'll never what? See anything different. Jesus came as a baby. He was born as a man, fully man. And he came to give us direct access to God. Can you wrap your heads around how amazing that is? That that he gave up what he had in heaven. You know, Francis' mom died two and a bit years ago. And I often say, you know, if we had to say to her, do you want to come back, mom? She'd go, heck no. (laughs) Because it is so amazing to be in the presence of the Lord. And Jesus gave that up so that he could come and he could bring the freedom for me. Say for me. Freedom for me to walk with Jesus. And to talk with him and not to pray through Mary and Joseph and Pit Pompis and I don't know what else, Liverpool. But to have direct access to God the Father. There's nothing that stands in our way of that. And you need to change your mindsets about this. 
There's nothing that stands in the way, not your inconsistencies, not your, your perceived pathetic prayers. A simple, hello, Lord, I'm good today. It's good to be with you. That's all it is. But are we doing it? We have the victory. We are the winners. I think I've mentioned this before, but I do love watching rugby. And uh, if my particular team is playing, I often cannot handle the tension of knowing if they're going to win or lose. And especially if the Springboks are playing an international game, I actually, and I don't like doing it, I go and wash the dishes. And you need to understand, I don't like washing dishes. But I will go and rather wash the dishes than sit through that anxiety of are they going to win. And then I get all my steps in because if Francis is watching in the lounge and I'm running, every time I hear him yell, I'm running back to the television to go and see what's happened. And then I'm yelling with him, yay, we got a score. And then I'm back in the kitchen because I, I can't handle that tension. Folks, we don't live with that tension. We don't live with that tension of are we going to win? We win. Full stop. And how do winners look when they're winning? Do they look like this? Oh, it's another day. Oh, it's so tough. Lord, I just want to go back to... Heck no. I corner. We live victoriously. Even when the money isn't coming in the front door, we still win. And we have to get this mindset that because of Jesus' birth and his death, we get to live like winners. The promise of Jesus was that he first came as a baby. We can see a lot in Isaiah that he first came as a baby. But one day, he's going to come back as our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. And there's some days where I just go, today I want to see it, Lord. Today I want to see it. Because I'm so ready to see him coming back into this world as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Settle something in your hearts today. Jesus came to give you so much and he finds you worthy. So you don't have to find your worthiness from anybody else. He came because he found you worthy. So start living like that. That his birth, his life, and his death is honored in how you live for him. Could we stand? And it's been a nice short service so we can go and have good mince pies. But I really felt, folks, we have to learn to live differently because of what Jesus did for us. He gave up everything, everything. He gave up being with God to come and redeem you. Put your hand on your chest wherever you feel comfortable. I am so worthy because of what Jesus did for me. 
We're making a declaration here, folks. Can you please make your voices heard? I am worthy. I am worthy. I am worthy. Because of what Jesus did for me. Amen. I want to pray with us quickly, and then I'll hand over to Francis. So, Father, thank you. What? Uh, Lord, there just are no words for what you did for us. That you gave up so much, Lord. Jesus said you came to this earth as a baby. You were born. You, you, you lived as a boy. You lived in this world with us. Father, this broken world, Jesus, you came and lived. And all for what you were going to do for us. Lord, thank you that you had a plan and a promise for us. You had a plan that Jesus would come and redeem us, and you had a promise that he would be the fulfillment of that victory. And so I just say thank you, Lord, that we can live differently because of what you did for us, that it's not about us. It's all about you. And so, Lord, let us live every single day to reflect the victory that we have because of what you did for us. And we just say thank you, Lord. Go with us and thank you, Jesus. We truly give you all the praise because you are so worthy. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that it was a blessing to you. If you want to connect with us further, log on to our website, venturechurch.co.za or connect with us on our various social pages, Instagram and Facebook.